On this episode of The Clappers, we're talking Hollywood. Dishwashers. <laughs> when I say Hollywood, I mean, I don't mean like Hollywood. No, no. I mean... You mean a show, don't you? <laughs> you do, yeah. Uh, we talk normal people. And, and I don't but, mean, but not, I don't not mean normal, normal pe- people. Not normal people. <laughs> <laughs> talk, oh, this is going to be so much fun to edit. We mate. talk, we talk rapacious <laughs> British colonialism. But which I don't mean, actually, no, we're we not do. British. We no, do. we're talking about the original corporation, the first corporation. No, it wasn't was. the first. The Dutch company was the first. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Welcome to the Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. The club foot investor, ready to give us tips on what to do with all our spare money. Go for it. Spend it. Okay. You'll what about investment tips? You'll be doing yourself a favour. You'll be doing the economy a favour. You'll be doing... <sighs> I spent some money. Did you? On what? I did. I've not been spending money. No, what a surprise. You would imagine. I don't like to spend money. <laughs> but uh, for many, many years, our saucepans have pretty much had no health. And so I finally splurged on three saucepans with handles that will withstand anything and they are great. So they're a little embarrassing because they've got the markings on the inside to tell you the leaders and everything like that, which is you know, a bit remedial, frankly, for someone as, as excellent as I am in the kitchen. But still, I'm very satisfied. They can go in the oven, they can go on the stove and they cost practically nothing They were, and they're very well made. Never mind the quality, feel the price. Well, that's me yes, all over, indeed, indeed. all over. If you could <laughs> really? see what I was, if you could see what I was wearing right now, <laughs> you so would say, "Never mind the quality." Feel if you could see the wine I am drinking right now, two thousand and eighteen Shiraz from the Barossa know. Valley. Best, best, is less, <laughs> best and less did wine. That's good to know. Mm, yeah, um, actually, so, Aldi does some not half bad uh, wine. You know? I've, 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 I'm yet to be convinced of the quality mm. of Aldi stuff. I, I know that uh, there is a family very close. To, to mine that that insists on buying those look-alike things from Aldi, you know, like know. A, a brand of, of spread. Cronflakes. But yeah, yeah, and uh, it's just... Co-legs oh, cronflakes. Why are you doing this? Why are you buying, you know, <laughs> Hungarian jam? And yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, I've also bought a dishwasher. Really? Yeah, and that was a, that was a must. That must have this, hurt. It hurt. This house came with a dishwasher mm. and it was... The, she moved the, out. <laughs> yeah, she moved out when we moved in. But the, there were... It had already been in existence for a couple of years can, before. Can I just say that should have yeah. been he slash she moved uh, out. They moved out. They right? moved out. They moved out. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, so it's about five or six years old and it just gave up and I did everything I could to try and fix it and, and failed. And, and so the consensus was, well, you get it repaired, you could spend half at costs and it still might not work for another. So bit the bullet, looked up, and Choice, you know, is one of my favourite um, places I'm to sure go it when I'm it sure comes it to, to purchasing anything. I won't Hours go anywhere. Hours of reading before you spend a penny. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the best thing about Choice is they don't like any of the dishwashers. They don't like them. They get the very low efficiency, very low water. The highest is like 81% overall or something mm. like that. Like there's just nothing good. But it's okay, you know, and fair enough too. So, a pair of bought, hands, ninety-eight well, percent efficiency. See, I've, I've been spending hours since the dishwasher broke. It's just been 
three or four sessions of washing up because mm. everyone's at home. I'm cooking three or four or 20 times a day. I don't know. I lose count. I lose count of the days, man. I only know when it's Saturday because that's when my radio show's on. It hopefully tells you the day it's in the title of the show. It's very good to have so, these sort of you know. regular commitments because mm. Mm. I have found life during lockdown to be just a blur. It's yeah, a blur. it is. I it totally, is just... totally yeah. lose track of the day regularly. And how, um, and you'll lose track of how many bottles you have left in the cellar. And then one day, oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go up to the bottle shop again. They all know me there, you know. They all know me. It's like they're my friends now, you know. Right, right. Um, so anyway, I bought this dishwasher and the men came and installed it yesterday and my daughter gave them little presents of Lego things that she'd made and it's magnificent it is i tell you if anybody wants to buy a dishwasher i'm not going to say which brand i think you can work that out for yourself but what is great is having a drawer at the very top to put your cutlery in so most dishwashers have two two drawers and you've got a basket down the bottom how could anybody possibly Hmm. work it out unless they own this particular dishwasher work out what what the dishwasher is you said you're not going to mention what it is oh what brand it is yeah well, they can go to Choice and they can look up the different tests and they will see <laughs> the dishwasher that has three trays that is made. I'm going to tell you, give a clue. I'm going to give everybody a clue, mm. all right? The country where this dishwasher is made yeah. is not the country that the company that makes it is from, which is common for everything that is ever manufactured. Here is the clue. Ready? This is the company <laughs> that makes this dishwasher, makes the dishwashers in. I'm going to cite an Old Testament reference. Oh, dear Lord. Mount Ararat. You can work it out from there, my friends. Anyway, I'm very satisfied. I've saved a couple of hours you already today. You didn't buy today. yourself a, a turkey, of... that's what you're saying? Exactly. Mm. It's very good, very good. I'm very excited that I have a bit more time on my hands now to do other work around the house. Excellent. I'm, I'm so, delighted for you. Thank you. I, I didn't want to, I wasn't, didn't expect to be talking about this, nor did I expect to be talking about oh, come on. other, other we, things. We spend hours and hours plotting the topics of each show. <laughs> you knew what you were talking about before you came mm. on. What are you drinking, Carl? Uh, water, Andrew. Because you're a sick man, aren't you? I'm a sick man. I you're like kidney. Turkey. I have a kidney the sick, issue. The sick woman of, of, of Turkey. I'm the sick man of, of, of Europe. Australia. That's the me. sick man of Australia. The, the sick, sick mm. woman of Europe. Is, no, I, have a, I have a kidney issue. So oh, okay. it came out of the blue. And I've got mm-hmm. to say, I wish it would go back there because it's, mm. uh, it's been a painful couple of weeks. Uh, are you like Samuel Pepys? Um, in what respect? Will you, be operated on for, will you be <laughs> Well, yes, one. And will you be operated on for the stone? Mm. No, no, okay. I don't. Good. I don't believe I Good. will. It, it is Good. not a kidney stone. It is something else. Good. But um, I, oh, you don't have to tell everybody. I'm oh, just, well, you know, I will. Yeah. I will live. That's the, that's that, for plus. me. That's the good news. Um, plus, for it, your dependents, uh, it will. It is. Uh, it is passing. Um, as in, the worst of it is over. I think. Mm. Um, but it's been a. It's been an unpleasant period, and I. I have used my lockdown, Andrew, uh, mm. to f- well, my lockdown, and I'm actually on leave at the moment. So I've been oh, okay. on, I've been on annual leave for a week. Unfortunately oh, a week in which I've not, not barely leave? been able to move. Well it was it was, you know, booked as annual leave. Okay. Um and not you know, I didn't choose to go on holiday. Everybody in my workplace has been asked to take annual oh, I leave see. if they have a big a big uh, balance and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um 
So, you know, doing my bit, I booked two weeks. I thought, mm, shall I go to the living room or shall I go to the bedroom? <laughs> I hear the living room. Shall I go? You have a cellar. Year. You actually have a cellar, Carl Quinn. My cellar is about the size of a large shoebox. You could go to the cellar. I could. And start a project. I, I and the wine in my cellar could not be in the same space at the same time. One of us okay. would have to go. So, okay. Well, yeah. that's um, a problem easy to solve. <laughs> Not the kidney issue. <laughs> no, no, you know my address, Carl. Carl, Carl you know my address. You've been to my house. I have, I have. I so, could, I could, so you know how to solve this problem. I could do a delivery, yeah. <laughs> I could relocate. Um, anyway, I've started watching Deadwood, finally. And, ah, uh, I, what do you I, think? I, I'm loving it, I'm loving it. Although it is the sweariest piece of television oh, I, I have ever I seen, ever seen. My, my wife my wife is not watching any of it, of course, but no, she will no. occasionally walk through the living room en route to the kitchen and go, what is this show? It's so sweary. I've never heard. It's so rude and violent. And it's like, oh, well, that's it. That's the show. That's what that's it is. The show. It's rude swearing and it's and violent. Violence. And the lead mm. character is called Al Swearingen. And it's like, well, by name, by nature. It is crazy, mm. crazy filthy. And yes. I think, as I said previously, when you get to the end of it and then you get to see the film, you will not at all be disappointed. And, and it, it's, it's, it's like one of those, you know, um, winning a lottery, you know, type yep. of odds that it would all come together so well and it did. So you're, 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 on, you're on track for some, some good stuff. Well, the thing I'm loving, well, the, there are many things I'm loving about it, but particularly the world building. It just mm. feels mm. like you're in a real live town that is being born before your eyes. Yeah, well, that's exactly right, isn't it? And yeah. it is ad hoc, it is ungoverned and ungovernable to some degree. Mm-hmm. And there is this you know, like magnificent tension between the sort of uh, the anarchy of that and this incipient sort of need and desire for some kind of order to be um, either organically or, uh, you know, organically for it to arise or for it to be externally imposed. There's this kind of like mm. will to and against that, you know, and it's just, it's, um, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it's kind of like um, Sim City, I guess, a cowboy version of Sim City coming to life before your eyes, you know, being acted out and played well, out. It's like what happens when you add a little, a little brothel here? What happens yeah. when you have three brothels in town instead of two? And, you know, you know it's just... It's well, just what's interesting is that they call it a camp at the start yeah. and the idea is that at some point this territory is going to be incorporated into the United States of America, which means it will be subject to all its laws, but right now it's not. So people like Al Swearingen are making a killing in both senses of the word the fact that it's lawless and ungovernable and they're making great money, but at the same time they crave legitimacy yeah. so that they can get some investment happening and become, you know, just like mafia dons at some point when you watch any kind of gangster show, some point one of them realises that it'd be better to be a legitimate businessman than, and you know, still committing crimes but under the cover of maybe being a member of parliament or something like in exactly. Peaky yeah. Blinders, you know. Yeah. And it's it, that... that I'm going to use that word. I've probably only used it once before on this podcast. That journey towards <gasps> statehood of North Dakota is uh, is as interesting as anything else that happens on the show, I reckon. For someone like me who's very interested in politics, it's it's fascinating. Well, the reason I mentioned it in the first place is that I, I'm at a point in the second season where Al Swearingen is lying in agony 
Of course. Of his bedroom. Of course. With, yes. with, with kidney yes. stones. With kidney stones. Yes, and, of course. That, from the first episode, you see him struggling to, to um, make the old hose do its business. Yeah. And yeah, that's that that stays throughout the whole show. You never get rid of. It doesn't get any better. Well, he does. He does have a doctor who very kindly pokes a metal implement up there to try and dislodge mm. it. Before you move Thankfully, on to the second treatment, series, treatment these days is a little oh. less horrendous. Well, I will. I will regale you in a private moment with how Samuel Pepys and his surgeon dealt with the removal of the stone. But did you enjoy Keith Carradine as Wild Bill Hickok? I loved Keith Carradine. Wasn't he so dignified and gracious and slow and just the opposite of like the uh, egotistical, gunslinging, you know, matador that that people imagine uh, those characters of the West to be? Yeah. And, of course, the, the Reverend uh, reminds me so much of a demented Anthony Perkins, I thought was, is, is one of my favourite characters in the whole, whole season, the whole, the whole show, actually. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's full of great characters and great performances. And, mm. um, oh, just, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. Although, it, you know, I, I do have to take a break after maybe three episodes back to back because it's just, it is oh, yeah. relentless. Have you found any new discoveries? Well, I'm going to tell you something that you probably already know, but Ryan Murphy's done it again, Carl. Oh, He's Hollywood. done it again. Yep. I haven't begun it yet, so oh, I'm well, looking forward to that. It is, a, well, you know, we've, I think we've spoken about Feud, haven't we? Of course we have, yeah. And you've probably spoken at length about Glee, one of your favourite shows. <laughs> uh, we talked about The Politician. And we talked about The Politician. Which now, I belatedly caught up on. I... I'm going to say accidentally. I mean, what is an accident, right? But I accidentally watched a documentary about a guy called Scotty Bowers. I might have watched it on YouTube. I might have watched it on that library one. What's the name of the library one again? Canopy. Canopy. I'm here to help, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. So he was a guy who ran a gas station in Hollywood that was set up for encounters for people to make encounters, his gas station employees were basically male prostitutes. Was this a piece and in the New Yorker that you're referring to? I think that's no, 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 a, a film, oh, a film, film okay. like a documentary oh, film. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. made in 2018, yeah. and it it it's about 90 minutes long. And, and I don't know if he's still alive, but it was made when well two years ago he was still alive, and he talks about you know his uh, work. Now, it would be erroneous to describe him as a pimp. He, he he ran a, a petrol station. All kinds of well-known Hollywood people would come through and he would set them up with various employees to either go back to their hotels or their homes. the Cytoliver of Beverly Hills. The Cytoliver of Beverly Hills. <laughs> However, they kept all the money. He took no yeah. 50%, 10%, any percent. He, he just was happy to uh, facilitate liaisons. And, he, and everybody who... Is still alive. Everybody he talks about says he was the nicest. He was he was not this kind of dark, seedy, nefarious character. He was a he was a uh, you call him a war hero. He was a, a marine. He was in the Battle of Iwo Jima, and he had no interest in being a movie star. He just found himself in this petrol station setting things up for Spencer Tracy, 
uh, Cary Grant, um, you know, I hesitate to repeat some of the uh, things that he did, but it's, you can find it. Um, there's, I can maybe put a link to a, an article if people want to find more about it. But the show, Hollywood, is very much based on this guy. Right, okay. Okay, Dylan McDermott plays, I can't remember the, the character's name, but plays the, the character who is based on him, but he's a lot more of a traditional kind of sleazy pimp, you know. Uh, and it's, it's very entertaining. Okay, but the, the, the gas station the is called The Golden Tip Gas Station. <laughs> um, uh, Ernie, Ernie is the name of the, um, of the Dylan McDermott character. And he, he has a roster of handsome young men who perform various services, one of them being Rock Hudson, mm-hmm. who uh, was, as everybody knows, was originally named Roy Fitzgerald until um, he had a, found a manager called Henry Wilson who, who had Tab Hunter and Troy Donahue and created all these lusty butch names for these... Uh, um, actors who he would put in various, you know, flimsy Hollywood teen picks. Now, the the fun, I suppose, of this is as much of it is real. A lot of it's also made up, and it's very entertaining. It's it's probably not as so far not as vicious and nasty as Feud, which was, I mean, you, you saw Feud, didn't yeah, you? Of course. yeah, it's delicious, and I could watch it again in a click of a finger. Uh, but this is a great this is a great show, and. It's gradually, you know, it seems like Ryan Murphy keeps just pushing things a little bit more, a little bit more with each new show that he does. And in this in this show, Hollywood, Rock Hudson is such a terrible actor. It's embarrassing. And frankly, I've seen Rock Hudson, so have you, in films. He's not, he's not as terrible as he is in this show at all. Uh, he's well, he's f- fine in those Doris Day you, ones. And he's excellent in Seconds, the John Frankenheimer film. He not a great actor. Uh Take by take by take, but mm. uh, good editors can salvage, you know. Mm. So what you end up seeing on screen is not necessarily what you what you would see if you had been present on set. Yeah. Um, although true, true. Although I the, don't know that you can completely construct uh, a passable screen performance from <laughs> like from elements of terrible take after take after no, take. No, Somewhere no, no. There, there has to be something he's very, to sal- look, salvage. He, like a lot of um, what's his name, Henry Wilson's clients, they're all very charming, personable, friendly guys. If how I'm describing it sounds, I'm not very good at describing things, obviously. But um, if how I'm describing it sounds interesting, then you know, check it out. So I want to ask you about a show that uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. This is a show that everybody was talking about. Okay, um, but, but there was no everybody in my life. Uh, well, everybody. I don't have in an everybody. My life was talking about it. Normal people. Are you aware mm. of this show? Are you aware of the no. novel on which it is based? No, no, okay, no. So. I mean, I might have seen. I might have seen a picture, you know, somewhere on a website or something. But, but I don't count. know anything about it. it. Doesn't count. So, no. Normal People is based on a 2018 <laughs> novel by yep. Sally Rooney, an Irish author. She's she was, I think, 28 when the book was published. Okay, uh, it has sold by the truckload. I think 18 million copies was the. That's the, a lot of the, copies. That is a lot of copies. There's a lot of trucks even. And line them up. Uh, and uh, it's basically a story of um, a couple who meet and uh, at at school. Um, I think in the novel they sort of know each other from the age of 11. In the mm. series they um, we first see them together in their final year of high school. Um, uh, she is basically, I would say, 
as antisocial as it gets. She has yep. no interest in um, hanging out with uh, anybody else. She's mm-hmm. um, she exudes a sense of being superior, uh, thinking she's superior. Her name is Mar- Marianne, played by Daisy Edgar Jones, who's actually an English actress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set in Ireland. It oh, okay, uh, yep. starts in Sligo and then moves to Dublin. Um, and uh, the guy is Connell, played by Paul Mescal, who, who is an Irish actor. Um, they, in spite of the fact he's he's quite popular, or oh, he's very popular, mm. I guess he's a he's a star of the Gaelic football team. Um, you know, the the pretty girl at school kind of quite clearly wants to be his girlfriend. And sounds uh, like Glee, know. man. <laughs> That's the, this is great. An Irish glee. Is there, is there, is there is it some Irish music not in glee. here? It's definitely no? not glee. Um, it's, it's, it's very dark. Um, okay. it, it, it would be very wrong to call it romance, I think. It is about, it is about this sort of very tortured love affair. That is that your dog or the neighbour's dog? It's my dog. I thought it was at your end. No, um, no, 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 no. That's quite weird. Oh. That's okay. People need to understand. We're doing this at home. We're not in the studio. You're going to hear doors. You're going to hear dogs. You know, that's just that's just part of it. And people are really embracing the real in the in the podcast Very environment. Good. Hearing dogs and and fish and things. Okay, Clinking so of glasses. it's about Marianne yep. and mm-hmm. Connell and Marianne. Yep. They they so they we first meet them at high school. Uh, their last year of high school. She's. Very, very smart, very surly, very independent. Wants to have nothing to do with the other kids. She kind of looks down. I like her already. She's a rich girl. Um, Don't like her anymore. (laughs) Connell is a working class boy, a son of a single mother, um, who happens to be the cleaner in Marianne's mother's house. So there's that kind of dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, He's popular. Um, but also quite a loner in in um, in some respects. He's a star mm. of the Gaelic football team. He's uh, you know the 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 cute cute girl at school obviously wants to get it on with him. Be his, you know the, she wants to be there. You know they want to be the prom couple, or she wants them to be the prom couple kind of thing. Uh. Um, he's kind of not that interested. Remains aloof, and then he and Mary Connell and Mar- Marianne basically find their way to each other. Mm-hmm. Initially, purely in a sexual sense, right? They, yeah. they have. Well, she's not had sex before. They have sex. It's, uh, it's this kind of. It's an immediate like bang that that works, but they keep it secret, right? She doesn't want anybody at school to know because she hates them all. He doesn't <laughs> want anybody at school to know because even though he talks all the time about respecting women and all the rest of it, he's a little bit concerned what his mates will think of him hooking up with Marianne. So yep. it, it, there's this weird sort of tension that um, exists between them there. Anyway, it all sort of fizzles to an end um, when he ends up going to the like the prom with yeah. the other girl, the blonde yeah. cutie, and uh, not Marianne, and who had all along pretended she was not interested in going, yep. but then is... Deeply furious when upset, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and, and in a way, that sets up the dynamic between them, which is that they they feel deeply, they are drawn intensely towards each other, 
and they are incapable of expressing what's going on in their mm. their hearts or their minds. But their bodies are pretty good at expressing what's going on, so they've got that going for them at least. Oh, anyway, it then follows them over over the years until probably their mid twenties, I guess, when mm. they're both at university in Dublin, and it's it's a uh, what is it, twelve, thirteen part series, um, half hour episodes, so really very very tight. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, there are some sort of like funny moments in it, but it's quite, it's just quite, um, it's intense. It's really mm. intense, emotionally intense. A Why lot do you of think it's fi- so popular? Well, I think for me, well, <laughs> there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, for me, it, it had uh, uh, this very painful ring of truth. It was like, oh, God, I remember my 20s. That's kind of what it was like. Oh, so, so it's not it's not the painful ring of truth. I remember being in high school. It's I remember my 20s. That's more painful me, than more, the high school probably stuff. Probably more my yeah. early okay. 20s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the sort of, you know, that, that sort of deep passion that you feel, your, your first love and all the rest of it and how it's sort of... I was six, mate. I, I, you know, um, <laughs> okay. Um, so that, by the, you know, well, so, well, really. I, I don't know that I want to know how much this resonates, given mm. your first love was at six. It's not going to. Re- it's not going to resonate with me at all, frankly. <laughs> I think I'm going to look at this and go, "Oh, really? Well, and how old are you? Yeah. You're, you're 20." Well, and no. look, it's it's beautifully made. It's really well acted. They're both they're both terrific. Well, um, yeah. It's got a very strong sense of place, and you know, it feels it feels like Ireland. It feels like Sligo, and then it feels like Dublin. No question about any of that. I've um, never been to those places, so I have to take your word for it. But I w- I would say it's also incredibly infuriating because you just oh, want to give them a bit of a shake and say, just say it, just say what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. Bottling it up, give it, give you know, use your words as they say in Kinder. You know, it's like is things this, will work this, out so much better, so that, much sooner. It would be a three-part series. You know, <laughs> it would be over. Has that posh woman you like got anything to do with this? <laughs> what well, I don't know who you're talking the about. The one who's in that one, I don't know what it's called, she, oh. but you really like her because she's really posh and she's a mess. And Are you talking about Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Fleabag? Is that what you're talking right. about? That's right. That's what I'm talking about, yes. Okay. So I like her because she's posh. Well, yes. Mm. That's, clear. Mm. That's clear. Has she got anything to do with this show or not? No. Nothing no. to do okay. with this show, no. Good. No. Good. That's normal people. I've been reading a book. I'm reading a book by William Dalrymple. Have you heard of him? Yeah. It's called The Anarchy. The Relentless Rise of the East India Company. And it's fascinating. And maybe it's a little controversial too. And I just think that one of the things that is great about it is that it's bringing a a form of history to light that a lot of people don't really, aren't really aware of the rapacity of the East India Company. Mm. Most people think of the Raj and think of Britain as being the the country that came to India and brought churches and railways and democracy and the English language. And But that's not really the case at all. The East India Company um, looted, plundered and asset stripped India right through to the early 1800s from about f- f- 
oh, they're formed in 1599, but from the September 24, 1599, because that's my dad's birthday, so that's how I remember. Um, is this the British East India Company or the it, Dutch? It's, it's the British East India Company. Okay, right. Yeah, so they were formed because there was a, a problem with the Dutch being so fast and swift in their trading. They had the um, what, what we know as you know, Java, Sumatra, the East Indies, they had that sewn up and the British were very poor at trading. Uh, the Dutch had better ships and they were really good at trading. The British were good at capturing them and pl- plundering them, but they weren't very good at actually forming relationships and trading. They were, you know, agro. And initially the East India Company came to India with the idea of forming a, a relationship. The Mughal Empire produced most of the manufactured goods in the world at the time. They were the richest empire and they were far more technologically advanced than anything that was going on in Europe in terms of textiles and, and manufactured goods. And they had no time for the British at all. It took a long time for the British to make the East India Company to make any kind of inroads and form any relationships. But once they did, their notion was not to not to take over the country, even though they had a charter, that, a royal charter that allowed them, the only company that had ever had this, to, to use whatever means necessary to get whatever they wanted. And that, that was a, a, a first, a, a lot of firsts, uh, um, political lobbying, um, bribes, uh, using your influence to uh, coerce parliament into passing or not passing certain laws that would affect your business. Uh, it's amazing the history of the involvement of this company in India and it's complete and utter destruction and plundering up into the, the 1800s. It's, it's a, a fascinating book and it's fascinating from look at the, the point of view of the downfall of the Mughal Empire and various invasions about the French involvement there and the Dutch involvement there. It's a, it's a great book. William Dalrymple is an excellent speaker. I hear him every time he comes to Australia. I hear him talk, and he's always got a, a, an amazing different view of the history of India uh, to, to, uh, to discuss. I might check it out. Sounds interesting. Well, it's, it is so dense and interesting that you're constantly reading a half a dozen pages, then going back and going, making notes, and going, oh, yes, then you go back. And, you know, um, I was listening to William Dalrymple on the radio a few months ago, and he's talking about Robert Clive, Clive of India, who was just oh, one of the worst. And someone mentioned the uh, curry powder that we have here in Australia. He had no, He couldn't believe that somebody who is one of the most rapacious robber baron scumbags that ever lived has a curry powder it's like adding insult to injury where you can go to any australian supermarket and buy king's curry powder or clive of india curry powder with his face on it and everything his end was interesting and not undeserved if not for anything else it's worth reading this book to find out about clive of india and how he began and how he ended up I'm keen. There you go. There's be. some humour. Mm. We make the people laugh here on the clappers, don't we? <laughs> right then. That'll do us, I think. I think so. Thank you for listening to the clappers. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you're all staying safe during this very strange time, which is becoming yeah. a little less strange by the day. Here's hoping you're a very compassionate man. Kind of normal soon. Mm.